1: and he needed some confirmation. And many of you are looking for confirmation today as well. This is not a bad thing. Seeking confirmation from the Lord is not a bad thing. The Lord confirms his commands to us in many, many different ways. Certainly through his word, certainly through the Holy Spirit, sometimes through prophecy, sometimes through words of knowledge, sometimes by using a brother or sister in those couple of ways. But he always confirms his word.
0: God has plans for each and every one of us. Plans to change people and share truth with the world. When he calls us to our specific task, though, we may have doubts. Pastor Dave today reminds us that it's okay to ask God to confirm his plans for us. We can ask him to give us peace about our calling and to reinforce his word. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Judges chapter 6 with part 1 of his message, A Question of Faith. You are assured.
1: a hard time finishing Judges 6, I want you to know. I a hard time as my study finishing up Judges 6. So if you'll turn into your Bibles to the book of Judges, chapter 6. We are studying Gideon once more, still looking at Gideon, the judge. Judges 6 is in between Judges 5 and 7. I know that helps, right? Just want to help out any way I can. Okay, so we started chapter 6, we saw the nation of Israel once again falling into the cycle. Who remembers the cycle? Disobedience, discipline, despair, and deliverance. Disobedience, despair, discipline, and deliverance. So they fell back into the cycle. We see after chapter 5, after the glorious victories in chapter 4 and 5, brought about by Deborah and Barak, where they defeated King Jabin and his man, Sesera, had some help by Jael. The land was at rest for 40 years. But beginning again in verse 1 of chapter 6, we read, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the cycle repeats itself. They go back into disobedience. The nation becomes lax in their worship of the one true living God. They fall away. Because they're surrounded by pagan countries, which, if you remember correctly, in Joshua, they failed to drive away. They failed to get rid of these pagan countries. They failed to drive them out of the land. They allowed them to live there. Because of that, They start associating with them, giving their daughters to their sons and taking their sons for their daughters. They start becoming like them. And next thing you know, they're worshiping their gods. Pagan gods made of wood, made of all sorts of things. And this is against God's command, totally against God's command. They compromise with the pagan nations. Compromise is always a danger for the Christian. Anytime we compromise, it becomes a danger for us. And we will always go the way of the wicked instead of drawing the wicked our way. Always. We compromise. Compromise is such a difficult thing for us. But they compromise. They served the following God's to the point where they built altars. They built altars and they began sacrificing to these gods. They disobeyed God and His commands. This naturally displeased the Lord. And the first thing He does is He has to discipline them. He's got to discipline them. He's got to discipline His child. A father has to discipline a wayward child. Parents discipline their children. So the Lord disciplines Israel by allowing the Midianites and the Amalekites to come to surround them every harvest time. And they come in and they raid and they steal all the harvest. They take everything away. Everything that they worked hard for. You can see that in verses 4 and 5 of chapter 6. Then they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor donkey nor ox. For they would come up to their livestock and their tents, coming in numerous as locusts, both their camels, without number, and they would enter the land and they would destroy it. This would drive the Israelites to the mountains. They would go hide in caves. They would go hide in dens, build strongholds. They would hide from these people. But finally, finally we read in verse 6 of chapter 6. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. It's almost like the Lord is praying, finally, finally, you're crying out to me. Finally, you're coming back. God hears their cries. But he doesn't do anything about it right away. First thing he does is he sends a prophet. An unnamed prophet. We don't know who this prophet is, but a prophet comes in. And the first thing the prophet does is remind them of God's faithfulness. The prophet reminds Israel of all that God did, bringing them out of Egypt. He reminds them of how great God was and what God did for them. Paving the way now for a deliverer to come and lead Israel out of bondage back into the arms of God. This happens a lot with us when we stray. When we stray and seem far off from God, when we stray away from God, one of the first things he does is try to get our minds back on him. Try to get our eyes fixed on him instead of where we are in our circumstances or in our sin or whatever. He tries to get our minds back on him. And sometimes he does that by sending people. He might send people to you. He might talk to you through his word. We need to get our eyes back on God because God is the one who's able to forgive us. He is the one that's able to restore us. He is the one that is able to heal us. And sometimes we too need someone to come alongside of us to remind us of God's faithfulness. I hear so many stories of people telling me they want God to do this. They want God to do that. They want God to do this. And then when God does one of those things, it's not enough. They immediately go, yeah, but what about these things? We need to be very, very satisfied and thankful when God acts in our lives and works in our lives. His faithfulness is what keeps us going. When we have our mind back on God, when we've cried out in despair after the discipline and we have our mind back on God, then he is able to deliver us. That's when deliverance happens. Now he wants to deliver Israel from the bondage that they're in. And he begins by sending the most ordinary person he can think of. And I think he does these things for a reason. I glean wonders from this when we meet this ordinary farmer by the name of Gideon. The name Gideon in Hebrew means hewer. And a hewer is someone who cuts down wood or draws water. Strikes down trees. He's going to be used mightily by the Lord to strike down the Midianites. going to be used mightily. The angel of the Lord appears to Gideon, and he calls him mighty man of valor. He comes in while Gideon's in the wine press threshing wheat. A most unusual place to be doing that. Many have called him a coward because of that. But the Lord says to Gideon, mighty man of valor. We discussed this at length saying that the Lord sees the complete picture. The Lord sees you completed. The Lord sees the completed work. He knows what he is going to do with you should you answer his call and obey his commands. He knows what he's going to do. He has these works ordained for you before the foundations of the world. Where his workmanship ordained for good works that we might walk into them. Have you discovered the good work of God today? Have you discovered the good work that God wants you to do today? Do you know what it is? The angel of the Lord, who is that? It's a pre-incarnation of Jesus Christ. Long before Bethlehem. You see this a lot in Scripture. When Abraham was visited by the three angels, one of them, he said, was the angel of the Lord. And he spoke to him. This is none other than they call it a theophany. Some call it an epiphany. It's a pre-incarnation of Jesus Christ. Joshua spoke to the commander of the Lord's army. It was Christ. He appeared many, many times in the Old Testament. And every time you see that, you should think of that. Many look at Gideon and see a coward. They see a weakling. Gideon was, what we will see, was not strong in his face or courage. Just the man God wants. Just the man God's looking for him. Why? Because when God called him, his heart was towards him. His heart was towards God. The Lord chooses the weak things of the world to accomplish his glory. Another reason you might not think that Gideon is so suitable for this job is that his family worshiped Baal. His family were idol worshipers. You might think, well, gee, that would disqualify him, wouldn't it? I don't know. You'd have to talk to Abraham about that. Because Abraham's dad was an idol worshiper. But what can I say about Gideon? Gideon walked by sight and not by faith. He's a lot like us. He's a lot like us. Gideon walked by sight and not by faith. But the Lord worked with him to make him into what God had chosen him to be. We can learn a lot from Gideon. Sometimes when the Lord calls us, whenever He calls us, we must answer Him. And we must be willing to submit to His calling. Like Samuel, how he was asleep, and the Lord kept on calling him, Samuel, Samuel, and he got up and walked into Eli the priest. Did you call me? No, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. Samuel, Samuel. He did this three or four times, until finally... Eli the priest realized, oh wait a minute. Maybe it's the Lord. So he said to Samuel, next time you hear Samuel, Samuel say, "Here I am, Lord." And the Lord spoke to him. The Lord revealed great things to Samuel. Samuel became a great man of God. The Lord calls us. He wants to talk to you. He wants to have a discussion with you. When we submit to his calling, he's then going to make us into the person that he needs to accomplish whatever his will is. But we need to submit. I know I said the S word. A lot of S words in the Bible. Sin, submit. Ugh. Jeez. Can't we all just get along? Can we all just grab hands and sing kumbaya? Do we have to submit? Oh, man. God works to you as you submit to the Holy Spirit. God works in your life mightily as you relinquish you and give it all to God through the Holy Spirit. God does mighty things through you. But as long as you cling to it, oh, you can't have this, Lord, I'm not going to give it to you. Our God will say, fine, let me know how that works out. He's patient and loving. He won't rip that thing from you. Sometimes I wish he would, but he won't rip that thing. He wants you to give it to him. Submit to the Holy Spirit. Submit to the Holy Spirit. Gideon submitted to the Holy Spirit. We're going to find out that the Holy Spirit had a very important part in Gideon's life. We're going to find out today in today's verses. So as we continue our study, the Lord had called Gideon and told him to go in his might. I love that. Gideon, go in your might. And do this, and you shall save Israel from the hands of the Minyanites. Look at verses 14 and 15. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Minyanites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, O my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest of Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. The Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you? And you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Wow. Lord gives Gideon this great, great assurance, this great confidence that I'm going to be with you. But Gideon questions faith. That's why I entitled it A Question of Faith. Gideon questions his faith. Gideon questions the Lord. He wants to know, is this really the Lord or is this somebody else? So he begins with a series of questions. His faith is weak and he needed some confirmation. And many of you are looking for confirmation today as well. This is not a bad thing. Seeking confirmation from the Lord is not a bad thing. The Lord confirms his commands to us in many, many different ways. Certainly through his word. Certainly through the Holy Spirit. Sometimes through prophecy. Sometimes through words of knowledge. Sometimes by using a brother or sister in those couple of ways, but he always confirms his word. When the Lord calls you to do something, he will always confirm it. And when he confirms it, you will have the peace of God in your heart about what he has confirmed to do, even if he's sending you to deepest, darkest Africa. You won't be afraid. You won't have thoughts. Told you the story of being sent to Wildwood. He sent me to Wildwood on these words The way up is down. The way up is down. I had worked at tech for 11 years, and I felt like it was time to move on. And I interviewed at Wildwood, and they offered me a salary, which was a lot less than what I was making at tech, but I felt like I had to leave. And as we were leaving Wildwood, all I heard was the way up is down, the way up is down, the way up is down. That's all I felt in my soul, my system, my spirit. That's all I felt. Prayed about it, asked the guys. I was around to pray about it, asked my pastor to pray about it. On Saturday night, he called me and said, did you get anything? I said, no, I haven't heard a thing. He said, okay, well, just keep praying. I kept on praying. Never said a word to anybody about it. Don't even think I told my wife. No, maybe I did share it with her. During the sermon on Sunday morning, we're sitting there. Not once, not twice, but three times the pastor said, the way up is down. The way up is down. And I looked at Beatrice and said, I'm going to Wildwood. I had complete peace about where I was going. I had complete peace about everything that the Lord was going to do. Lord confirms when he calls you. He will confirm it. Gideon was skittish. He wanted it confirmed, so he asked for a sign. Look at verse 17. Then he, Gideon, said to him, the Lord, If now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who talk to me. It's not wrong for Gideon to want to see a sign. It made sense to ask God to confirm area of directions that are not specifically detailed in his word. Especially in something that's regarded as maybe a life and death situation, like going into battle against an army. It's not wrong to ask the Lord. We don't need a sign from God about his love. That was demonstrated long before we were living by him dying on the cross. We have a sign of God's love. Jesus said there'll be a sign of the resurrection too, the sign of Jonah. A sign of resurrection. We don't need those type of signs. But Gideon's saying, Lord, I want to make sure it's you. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. When it comes to guidance and things that aren't specifically in his word, we want to look for it to be confirmed. But remember, God's never going to ask you to do something that he's not going to give you the power to do. And once he's commissioned you, then we have to step out in faith. Once he has commissioned, for example... Once I felt that he was sending me to Wildwood, it was up to me to step out in faith and go to Wildwood and find out what was happening. Just like once he commissioned me and sent me here, it was for me to step out in faith and come here to find out what the Lord was doing here. So we see Gideon asking for this sign. And let's read verses 18 through 24 right now. Gideon says, Do not depart from here, I pray until I come to see you and bring out my offering and set it before you. And he said, I will wait until you come back. So Gideon went in and prepared a young goat, an unleavened bread from an ephah of flour, the meat he put in the basket and he put the broth in a pot and he brought them out to him under the Timnath tree and presented them. The angel of the Lord God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay them on this rock and pour out the broth. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord put out the end of the staff which was in his hand, and touched the meat and the unleavened bread, and fire rose out of the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. The angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. Now Gideon perceived that it was the angel of the Lord. So Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Then the Lord said to him, Peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it The Lord is Peace, to this day it is still in Ophrah of the Abysarites. the miraculous sign should not have persuaded Gideon because there are miraculous deceptions we can be deceived we know in end times many are going to be deceived by miracles many are going to be deceived by miraculous signs But yet this miracle of fire, along with the other aspects that are going on, should have told Gideon that it was all from the Lord. Now, what surprises me most about this? What's surprising me most about this is that the Lord waited for Gideon to do this. How long do you think for him to get the animal and to cut the animal down? I've never dressed an animal i never killed it now. Now remember, he did not go to the refrigerator and go, what do we got? Oh, mm. well, there's some lamb. We'll get some lamb out there. Put it in the furnace or put it in the fire, and cook it up. No. He had to go get the animals, slaughter the animal, skin the animal, then dress the animal. That takes some time. Then he had to make the pot for the stew and the broth. The bread, let alone the bread, the flour, he had to make that too. And the Lord waited for him. I love that. I really think that's fantastic that the Lord waited for him. We have no idea how long it took, but I would imagine if we took this out and tried to do exactly this, it would take some time. It would take some time. The Lord waited for him to do this. Why? Because he knew that through this, Gideon was going to worship him. Gideon was going to offer him this sacrifice, and he was going to worship him. What a wonderful picture we have here. A beautiful picture. When it comes out, the Lord looks at it and he says, not we're well done the way I like it, and touches it. No, he didn't say that. The Lord touches it with his staff and it burns. It's gone. It burns up, consumed. It's a consuming fire that takes it away. The Lord accepted Gideon's sacrifice. Gideon knew it was from the Lord. But let's take this a little further. Let's look into the mind of Dave. Dangerous place. Where did Gideon find his confirmation? He found it in breaking bread with the Lord. He found it when he broke bread with God. He found it in communion. He found it breaking bread. He came to the Lord's table. What happens when we come to the Lord's table? Why did Paul direct us to go to the Lord's table? What things does he want us to do? What does it say when we read 1 Corinthians 11? Jesus says, "Do this why? To remember." You are a sure.
0: The Old Testament book of Judges that you've been studying with Pastor Dave Schenck gives you a glimpse into the intriguing history of the nation of Israel. The Israelites seem to cycle through a pattern. They follow God, turn away from Him, become aware of their sin, and finally repent and step back onto God's path. Each time, God brings a judge to lead them creatively back to Himself, showing His power and mercy time and time again. Israel's history is one we still see today. Many people fall into the same cyclical relationship with God. They follow Him for a time, fall into sin, and need to be reminded of their errors. God is always faithful to forgive, though, when you come to Him in repentance. His mercy is new every day, and He's big enough to cover every mistake from your life. We're so glad you tuned in today to Assure Hope. We hope you've been encouraged by what you heard. If you have any questions about this ministry, or if you want to know more about the forgiveness God can offer you, please give us a call. Our number is 609-884-5821. We'd love to pray with you, and we'll do our best to answer your questions. That phone number again is 609-884-5821. If you'd like to listen to more teachings from Assure Hope, just visit our website, assurehoperadio.com. We'd love to meet you, too. Be sure to check out the service times and directions to Calvary Chapel, Cape May. Thanks for being part of our time here today on Assure Hope.